Welcome to On the Prowl. Hi everybody, welcome to On the Prowl. I'm Robert Roden. And I'm Ramey Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on the show, we have Brad Carson. He is the program and ops, brand ops manager of 92.9 ESPN and here in Memphis, Tennessee. And here he is, Brad Carson. Brad, Hello guys. To the show. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Thank you for coming awesome. on, man. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me, Robert and Ramey. Uh, nice to meet you both. Nice Thank to meet you, you too, you. as well. Nice to meet you. Well, first off, I guess we've all been watching the NFL draft, so we can talk about the draft. Yeah, certainly interested in it. You know, we're dying for any sort of sports. This is the first live sports we've had, and uh, we've been talking about it on 92.9 FM ESPN for weeks now because we had a figure the pandemic struck about two months ago. So for the last two months, this has been the main topic of conversation along with the Jordan documentary that got released early. But this is the first live you know, thing we've had. And I think ESPN's done a terrific job, not only of promoting it on the radio and on television and online, but of, of hosting this event with the NFL and partnering with the NFL Network. You know, we had the first round on Thursday, which was terrific. It lasted all night long, and everybody had a good time with that. And then, of course, rounds two and three on Friday. And then Saturday, which is when we're taping this now, um, we'll start with round four through six. And I'm looking forward to today even. It's funny. I never usually would watch the second and the third and then the fourth and the fifth and the sixth round of the NFL draft short of seeing, you know, Antonio Gibson drafted in the third round and getting excited about that. But I think you can just tell that people are super excited when they're talking about a third round draft pick on a Friday night versus, you know, watching NBA playoffs, which we don't have versus going to a, a high, you know, a high school game on a Friday night or a college game or, or watching the NBA. So it's been great watching the NFL draft. And I'm sure you guys are like me and that it's, it's it's exciting to have some sort of sports to watch that's a live event. So who do you think the steal of the draft will be? I, I think two is the steal of the draft. I mean, if you talk about early rounds, um, you know, because I, I actually – it all goes down to health with Tua, but I think he's a better quarterback than Burrow. And so if you believe that he's a better quarterback than Burrow, then, um, you know, you get him at, you know, four. That's a good pick. Um I actually think the Cowboys, if you go a little later into the middle of the first round, they picked up C.D. Lamb. That's a nice deal considering the Raiders probably should have gotten him. But the Raiders stretched out and got the fastest guy in the draft, which is the, the running back from, from Alabama, Ruggs the third, who put the robe on during the first round. But if you, if you get, uh, you know, if you look into the – there's going to be some, some steals coming into the fourth round if some of these quarterbacks pan out. Um, you know, I don't know how good Herbert was who got picked earlier, but I mean, if you figure Jake Fromm is still on the board, if Jake Fromm is a good quarterback, somebody could steal him in the fourth. He could turn out to be, uh, maybe not the starter, but a good backup. Somebody gets injured and pretty soon he's, he's, he's playing. I mean, there's steals still to be had. I want my Titans to pick him. You want Fromm to go to the Titans? Well, they need, you know, they they need a backup quarterback, presumably now, uh, behind Tannehill. Now, Tannehill's clearly their starter because they've invested some big dollars in him. But, uh, you know, the quarterback thing is really interesting to me. I mean, when you draft a, a right tackle or a left, you know, a center from from LSU in the third round, I don't know if that's a steal or not, frankly. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. If you get the left tackle from Mississippi State and you, you draft him, it, it, the video looks good. 
but I usually I think most people follow this draft from their own team's perspective. And, right. you know, I'm a Raiders fan now because I, I went to graduate school in Las Vegas. I followed Las Vegas sports. And so having been a, a St. Louis guy, I grew up in St. Louis. They stole two of my teams, the Rams left and the Cardinals left back in the 80s. So I don't, I, my hometown, my adopted hometown of St. Louis where I grew up near doesn't have a team. And so this year, and my and the guys at the radio station make fun of me because I flop around a lot. You know, I used to root for the Cowboys because, um, you know, Dak went there. But I've been rooting for the Raiders since this is going to be their first year. And then I watched their draft really closely this year, and I just don't get it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe the, you know, the kid from Clemson they drafted will be good, the linebacker. They've got the fast running back. Um, I, I just don't know. It, it, it seemed like a, a weird draft for the Raiders. Uh Titans, I thought, did a decent job. And then um, Ramey and I, before we started this this taping, we were talking about the Rams. And it seems like they, they made some, some good choices, don't you think, Ramey? Uh, I would have to agree. Well, with all things considered, like, I know some fans may be unhappy, but the draft itself in terms of, like, like the technical sense, yeah. of the, sense of the word – has been going along very smoothly. How do you think that will affect the future of the draft? If, oh, I if think it affects the future of everything, especially how they're doing it, because ESPN right. and the NFL have invested. You know, we're just doing a Zoom call right now to record this piece. And think about what we needed. We needed, uh, you know, a rather expensive computer, but inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. All three of us have a computer, and we're on a Zoom meeting, and you just pop it on and rock and roll. ESPN had four or five cameras that are high-def cameras in each one of those, you know, top 60 draft pick rooms. And then they outrigged all of the, the GMs and the coaches with it. So they spent well over a million dollars, two, three, four million dollars on just equipment that they've shipped out to these homes to get live sports. And we know how much money the NFL has. We saw Roger Goodell, who was in his easy chair there for the third round, yeah. he was making $40 million a year. <laughs> so when you think about this is what everybody's focused on, and then the NFL and ESPN are investing this kind of money in it, I think it affects the future of broadcasting forever. And I don't mean that if you can't get 600,000 people on Broadway in Nashville, that that's not something that's important to do. It certainly drives community, and it's impressive to watch on television. It creates great TV. It's a great sound. But even last night, you'll notice, and I thought this was really important as somebody who's sort of watching media, notice they pipe in the crowd noise of about 50 people while the draft pick is going on. You know, they've got Goodell. And then there's this screen, and then they got all those people with cameras on their little Zoom meeting, and then they're they're getting those people all hyped up so that when he's making the pick, even if it's not 600,000 people, there's 50 people yelling for the Rams when they're picking the running back or whatever, you know. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think all of the things they do is much like what they used to do, but it's going to drive the future, and this is how we're going to do business in a lot of ways. If you need a quick broadcast, if there's breaking news, for example, let's say there's breaking news. Well, right. we get a camera in that person's house or in that town. Uh, we get people right on a, on a meeting quickly. And I think it, it, it drives, especially sports broadcasting and news in general, just it, it amps it up to another degree on what you're capable of doing. And I think it's, it's natural. We never did it because America wasn't forced to do it. But we learn people are so hungry for the content that we're willing to put out a Jordan documentary early and then get people on Zoom meetings just to produce the thing. It's, it's fascinating. I agree. So, Brad, what have you been doing these days to stay busy during quarantine? I've been busier than ever, actually. And part of it is I've got, you know, usually I'm in the studio with the guys, and now we've separated. So, for example, on Jason and John's show, there's one guy on one side of the glass with a separate microphone that's been cleaned and scrubbed in its own 
mic cover, and we have a mic cover for each host. For example, with Jason John, John goes to the other side of the glass and actually runs the board, which he's capable of doing because he was a producer before he became a host. So I've got three extra hours a day that I can get some stuff done that I never was able to use. So that's been helpful. And, you know, through the day now, we've added so many things. We've added a senior spotlight that we're doing in the month of May. We're doing a bunch of extra promotions. Uh, we just finished up a quarantine house idea that we did. We're doing a small business Friday that we've done throughout the month of April. And all of that stuff requires imaging and interface on the website. So I'm the imaging director for the radio station as well. So I'm producing all the promos with the voiceover guy that you hear promoting the station elements. Right, I produce right, right. the 6 o'clock show, so I'm able to do the 6 o'clock show between, say, 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. Central before that airs at 6 o'clock after Gary Parrish's show. And then along with all those duties, you know, I've really got four bosses. I've got the listeners at the front end, and then you've got a, a company and a corporation with Radio.com, my boss, Dan Barron, who's our market manager. And then, of course, the hosts are partially uh, I'm responsible to them to help them. You know, on the, on the midday show, I'm the executive producer. So I book guests for that show and I and I interface with those guys and then just try to, you know, keep a good relationship with all of the shows and with ESPN, because we have to schedule play by play. We have to schedule the draft. We have to schedule, you know, all the guys on the shows. We put out a morning lineup. So Bennett Doyle, who's. Uh, one of the guys on the station, he's an executive producer. You know, we cranked that out. Connor is, is at home working on our website. So busier than ever and actually able to accomplish some, some things that I wasn't able to accomplish when you're through your normal day. And it's not a disrespect thing to people in the office. You're just getting interrupted with a lot of different business particulars that come with being in the office. So it's been great in that regard. Not perfect because it's harder to keep relationships over computers, but we've, tr we've been pretty effective. I get that. I get that. Well, if you don't mind me asking, tell us, tell us about your journey. Like what inspired you to become into sports radio? Well, I'll ask about you guys first, Robert. Oh, yeah, and you guys oh, are, yeah, uh, I'll start with you. That way we can go back and forth. If you don't mind, I'll put it back yeah, on your go, white go station. Right I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to, I want to get to know you and then I'll, I'll rap about it because I don't yeah, want to just talk sure. about me. For sure. Okay. For sure. Well, I, I've always wanted to have a sports podcast. I got a, I got this microphone for my birthday. So it was kind of the puzzle pieces were coming together. And then I texted Ramey since he was one of my best friends in sports. And I was like, Hey, would you want to join the sports podcast with me? Since we're both very smart at sports knowledge. And he was like, I'd be honored to. So I said, all right, come on with me. That's how I got Ramey to join me. Uh, I got into sports through my dad mainly. For example, I became a Rams fan. Well, he became a Rams fan. When um, my grandfather, his dad was in the military and he was stationed in Germany and he watched uh, West Coast coverage of football. And that mm -hmm. was when the Rams were in L.A. the first time, like before they came to St. Louis. OK. And so he grew up watching the Rams and he loved them. So I was named after them. Oh, that makes sense. And growing up in Memphis, I just became a Grizzlies fan along with that. So that's great. And so uh, you're, are you like a sophomore, junior, senior? What year? Seniors. We're, seniors. We're wow. Seniors. Exciting. Exciting. And yeah. what are your plans? We're gonna, I'm going to go to a local college here in Memphis. Excellent. And I'm going to the U of M. So. Awesome. Well, congratulations. You know, I'm, I'm really you. disappointed that, especially for you guys, because, and I mean this, the last three months of high school were memorable for me, and, um, and I want them to be memorable for you, too. So I think that's why we do stuff like this, because, you know, uh, you want to remember these times. 
and then you certainly want to use it for your future and kind of springboard off of it and learn from it. It's a really interesting time, the pandemic and staying at home. But I'm kind of jealous in a way because we didn't have Zoom meetings when I was growing up. We had, yeah. and I'm old enough that it was cassette tapes, and I used to do impressions of my school teachers on a cassette tape. I did have a <laughs> microphone, Robert, so I could. At least, it wasn't as good as yours, but I could at least, you know, I could sort of mock my teachers and then I would get in trouble at school because I'd be mocking them with the same bits in, in class. Unfortunately, I probably should have just kept it to my cassette tapes. But, <laughs> um, my, my journey is really interesting. I've been in radio for 25 years. Uh, I grew up in a small town in southern Illinois near St. Louis, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. Went to a college near Chicago. So I graduated from North Central College uh, back in the 90s. And then I was working at the college radio station. I, I toured the college and I saw the college radio station and I just fell in love. I just thought, man, if I can talk about music and sports and life and play tunes and go to sporting events, this is where I want to go. And I walked into the, the studio and they had tapes all over. It was really cool looking. It was in this old building. They ended up moving into a newer building. And then when I graduated, I, by the time I graduated, I did my internship, which is really important. Right. I, I, um, and everybody does an internship, but I also started working at this small radio station in the middle of nowhere in Illinois, near where I grew up that I used to listen to. And that was really the most important thing that I did early because a lot of people want to work in a big market like Memphis or they want to intern in a market like Memphis or St. Louis or Chicago, but they don't necessarily want to work in the middle of a cornfield for minimum wage doing farm reports and obituaries and going to high school basketball games in the middle of nowhere and calling those games for very little to no money. So... That was the key to my career um, because I got to do everything in that job you know, while I was in college. And a lot of the people I was going to college with were in Chicago and they were at these big shot radio stations. And some of them got jobs at those stations early. But my experience really helped me there. But I still wasn't making any money, so I said to figure out what I was going to do. And I grew up a UNLV running Rebels basketball fan because in the 90s, and I don't want to bore you guys with my long story, but well, we got time for quarantine. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, you know, so I grew up watching ESPN in the 90s, and the running Rebels were a huge deal. You know, that's uh, where Jerry Tarkanian, the coach, used to chew on the town. They had explosives and fireworks in the gym, and I was this kid in Illinois growing up going, oh, my God, they're blowing up stuff in the gym, and they've got four NBA players on the roster. And, and so for whatever reason, I'd always followed them when I was a kid, and I decided to send out – material to go to graduate school at a couple of places and lo and behold that was the one that gave me a graduate assistantship they wanted me to teach they wanted me to go there for free and then pay me to be a graduate assistant i'm like okay i'll do that um because that was yeah so i moved from illinois to las vegas after i finished college and i was going to graduate school right right, right. um and it also helped me putt a little bit right i'm i graduated early so i could putt a little bit i was still making money and then i i also while i was out there as a graduate assistant i was teaching classes taking master's level classes and i sent out an air check and i got hired by cbs radio of all things to work at a music station so i did that for three years i got my (laughs) master's i had all this experience I worked at conventions while I was out there. I was I worked at a NASCAR event where I hosted their press their press conferences and put everybody at the podium. Did a lot. I hosted uh, slot tournaments because I was outgoing and I could get grandma to pull on the slot and talk <laughs> about it on the microphone. It's funny. So got all this experience, got my master's degree, and then you know I was 24 and mm-hmm. a couple people started talking to me from Las Vegas and knew who I was and my experience and I'd, I'd now worked at a Vegas radio station. And so I got hired to be a program director in Atlantic City, New Jersey. 
And I'm like, cool. I interviewed for a couple other jobs, like in the middle of nowhere, program director jobs. But then this one in Atlantic City, I went, whoa, Atlantic City, I'm, you know, 24. So I moved from Las Vegas to another casino market, Atlantic City, New Jersey, all the way across the country by myself. I wasn't married at the time. So have you always wanted to work in sports radio? before? Still you wasn't in sports radio yet. Now, this is funny, Robert, because my first job, I did sports, right? right but those right, right. jobs in Las Vegas, all music radio. Yeah, I guess they Atlantic didn't City, my first program director job was a music station. Um, and then I had sports experience, but I, and I still worked side jobs in sports, right? And I, I liked sports, but I, you know, Robert, in answer to your question, though, I consider myself a radio guy. Okay. I'm not a sports guy. The guys that work on the station, they're sports guys. They follow sports. They write about sports, you know, and they're more well-rounded than just sports. I don't want to pigeonhole them. Yeah, yeah. But my career was about radio and about the medium and about fun and the excitement of all of it. I love casinos. I love music. I love gambling. I love sports. I love events. That's why this is killing me because there's no event. Um, and so I moved out to Atlantic City to a music station called The Shore. Programmed that for about two years. We put another station on called Mix. I programmed that and I had two offers when I left when I was 28 to either go to Memphis to program The Buzz or the other one was to program at Sirius XM Satellite Radio for The Heart and The Blend. And I passed on it because I didn't want to leave in D.C. It was a good job. Moved to Memphis, and I've been here for 15 years. Ten years ago, my boss came to me and said, you want to put a sports station on in the air? If we can get anywhere near, you know, the top six, seven, eight, you know, get this thing above, at the time, a, a decent share. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. And now here we are ten years later, and, and it's really a tribute to the guys on that radio station, Gary, um, you know, all the shows, Jason and John, Jeff, uh, Giannato, Jeffrey, you know, my boss, the whole team, that thing 10 years later has become something that I think sports fans in Memphis really, um, they hold that in high regard. And I don't say that braggadociously. I just, I, I think people look at that radio station now and go that that's a, that's a special radio station, but I do love it, Robert. Um, I enjoy my job a lot and I love sports. So that's my journey. And so how did you meet Jason and John? John, I met about six or seven years ago through the radio station he came on the Gary Parrish show, which uh, I work closely with. I was the executive producer for Gary's show for nine years or so from the from the jump. Right. And, uh, you know, like six, seven years ago, Gary brought John on and gave me his phone number, and we booked him on the show, and uh, we started a relationship, and, and it's, it, he's been terrific. And then for Jason, met Jason when he was covering the, the Memphis Tigers for the commercial appeal of the newspaper. Right. And um, so he used to come on the radio station quite a bit as a guest. And then I got to talking to him a little more closely because uh, he, he stopped by a pickup basketball game at uh, at a local school that John and I were there. And I just rapped with him for a little bit. And I kind of watched their interaction. I thought, you know, he's, he's really those two have a rapport. And uh, but he and I, you know, through the years from him covering the Tigers, got to know each other. And so that's how, that's how we met those guys. That, that's really cool. Um, do you have like a favorite part of working with Jason and John in general or just working with 92.9? Wow. Good question. For Jason and John, I enjoy working with them because I enjoy my relationship with them a lot. I think they're very talented, like all of the guys on the station. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things about working at 92.9 is I think all the guys are very unique and you, you hear their own unique personalities. I think our station is different from a lot of sports station in a sense. The, the way that the station works is we want to feature – how the guys 
themselves, you know, what they're like. And I don't restrict that. You know, I think if you ask the guys, they'll tell you that it's, it's their show. You know, we want to keep them in a situation to be successful. But um, during this pandemic, you really see those personalities emerge because you're vulnerable, right? Yeah. You know, we're, we're in a very vulnerable time where we're covering news and information and sports was taken away from us a little bit here. And so when you listen to the radio station, much like my relationship with the guys, you get to know these guys and, and hopefully develop a relationship with them. And so, you know, I, I really enjoy working with all of the guys, Jason and John, and uh, developing that relationship. And I think the, the listeners appreciate the authenticity. It makes the station sound different. You know, I think radio stations across the country, having done this for a while, they tend to all sound the same, with the exception of their local markets and what they're talking about. So not only are we talking about Memphis sports, I think we're doing it in a unique and sort of different way. And I think a midday show does that. Jason John do that. Um, I, I really appreciate about that, that about them. I, I appreciate their vulnerabilities and, and their strengths. Uh, they help me a great deal. I learn a lot from them. It, it helps me personally a lot working with those guys. Rami and I, we listen to a lot of those shows on 92.9. Oh, good. During the week. What do you think? What do you think of the station? What do you like about it? I'll ask you. I love, I just like listening to it because it's one, it's sports, and two, it's just ever since I found out, like, I guess when I was a freshman, I found out we're alumni of our high school, so I started listening to them and hopeful, hopefully to reach out to them and be able to talk about what I do because, I, like, someday I want to have an internship or job over there at 92.9. Well, don't limit yourself. You can do, you should do some big things uh, beyond us even. You can find it. You can find internships anywhere you go, uh, but uh, would be happy to talk to you about that. You know, the guys, I, I think that's an important thing about them, that they came from White Station High School. You know, yeah. being from Memphis, people take pride in this place, in our city, in our area code, 901, you know, uh, grit and grind, whatever the theme is, people, it really, it's a grassroots love of place. And I think that's why I, I've continued to stay here and love it so much because I love it. I love the people. And I think the people make it, you know, people here understand that, you know, this isn't Chicago. This isn't the, the white pearly palace in New York. Yeah, this yeah, is a yeah. place where people put the work in, hopefully. Yeah. It's not handed to you. And I really appreciate that. Having grown up in a small town and listened to small town radio stations and having the opportunity to work in Memphis, you know, and I don't take it for granted. I really don't. And I think that the guys, you know, you're, you guys from White Station with Jason and John, uh, it's the same way. They appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to be here and, and rep the city. Me personally, I like the different perspectives, like from the news outlets, like there are different perspectives for each thing that like, each topic that is talked about. So I, I like hearing like not necessarily arguments, but like two sides to each story. Yeah. I like the arguments. Uh, well, I, do I like, like uncomfortable stuff. <laughs> it makes it more fun. I don't encourage it. I don't, I don't just push that because the guys, I want them to be authentic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that sometimes emerges on its own. So besides sports, what's your favorite thing about living in the city of Memphis? The people, it's the people. Um, I appreciate the people here for all the reasons I was just telling you about. I think that it's a unique place, and I've lived all over the country. I right. think people in Memphis are are absolutely focused on letting you know 
this is where I'm from. <laughs> this is what I represent. These are my people. This is my team. This is my town. And I think that's why, like, before we got the Grizzlies, it was the Tigers. And you guys didn't grow up in a time where we didn't have the Grizzlies. But, you know, for the Grizzlies and the Tigers and our teams, that, that comes through. I think it comes through when we have uh, new things that are that come to our city that we want to promote and people support it. I, I think people just love this city and they love repping it. And the people is what I love the most about living here. But I also love the things that we have that have been taken away recently, whether it's going to the forum, going downtown, going to the ballpark. You know, we have great outdoors, which we're still able to enjoy. Thankfully, the weather's right. been pretty good this month. Um, outside, the only thing I don't like is the pollen. If you could, in fact, I said this the other day to my wife, I said, I love everything about Memphis. Everything. If I could have one thing on, it would be pollen. And of course, the <laughs> pandemic would be first, but second, oh, yeah. it would probably be pollen. I, what do you guys think? I, I agree. I have like semi allergies. Like I'm vulnerable to sneeze a lot. So this pollen does not help the sneezing, but I totally agree with you on this part of Memphis. Like I, I love the city. I've lived here all my life. Um, I love the community aspect of the city. Like, like you were saying, we're very big on, mm -hmm. uh, like this is our town. This is like we embraced players like Tony Allen, Zebo, because they brought that grit and grind mentality that this is my city, my team type mentality. Yes. So I yeah. I really really appreciate that. I do too, I, and I think you you gave the perfect examples of it, Randy. What about you, Robert? I just love the city overall. I mean, it's a big sports town, so I enjoy everything. But um. Thank, thank you for joining us today on this episode. Thank we, you. We really appreciate you joining us today. Mr. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, I, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. If you need anything, you let me know, okay? I really appreciate that. And if you need anything, let us know. You got it. Listen to the station. If you're everybody's watching this, and for y'all, yes, please listen to my plug-in. 92.9 FM ESPN. We've got it's part you. of my job, too, guys. i got to promote the radio station. So yeah, thank you for having me. And, uh, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Thank thanks, you. Every, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of On the Prowl Podcast. I'm Robert Roten. I'm Raymond Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on the Prowl. With the boys, yeah, we swoop, yeah, we swoop, and we got them high blocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot with the Mercedes Benz in the coupe, in the coupe, and this shit's so fucking hard, it's on loop, it's on loop.